Welcome back to the Dad Chronicle. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 68. On today's episode, I talk to the Geek Jock blog himself. It is Dan Patrice on the show. You've likely heard him uh, through his segment on TMS PM, where he comes in and talks about board games. He is Dan Dan, the tabletop man. And he's not just passionate about board games, he's passionate about being a dad. And we talked a lot about that. First, we talked about what it's like being in a bad relationship and then finding his wife. And people tell you, oh, everything happens for a reason. And you know what? The reason is because the soulmate is going to be isn't even in your life yet. We go into an interesting conversation about participation trophies. And I think to just blanket say we can't be a world with participation trophies, I think is very short sighted. And I think it turns people away. And what's a conversation with Dan Patrice if we don't talk about board games? But how about through the lens of a parent with a small child? And at that age, I mean, you can pick things up like that, and, and they just love doing things, and it's just fun to do things with them. Here's my conversation with Dan Patrice. Dan Patrice, welcome to the Dad Chronicle. Thanks for being here, sir. Hey, it's an honor to be here. Awesome. Um, now, if people listen to uh, TMS, they know that you are uh, the the board game guy. But but even beyond that, you've got a lot of knowledge around uh, around parenting. And uh, I, I know that you're thinking, oh, damn it, he said that. Because you and I were texting earlier like, oh, I'm not as good a dad as Joe and Jerry. But you know what, dude? Man, we those all got- guys are awesome. They're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, I've been digging our conversations back and forth on social media and over text. And, and I know you're going to bring a lot of value. So, again, I do truly appreciate you being here on the show. So why don't you take just a moment to, uh, to introduce yourself to the world? So I'm Dan Patrice. I'm a pharmacist by trade and a, a podcaster by hobby. I've got a, uh, an, a way too good for me, like the rest of us, way too good for me wife, Janice, who is also a pharmacist. And uh, we met in pharmacy school. I've got two great kids. My daughter, Lauren, is 15 and my son, DJ, is 12. Awesome. Now, uh, your kids have some very interesting stories. But before we really jump into that, uh, how did you and your wife meet? Uh, in pharmacy school, like uh, so, it's funny because I think pharmacists—they're up there, like the top two or three professions that are uh, the most incest in the professions as far as being married to one another. That's I think funny. pharmacists, doctors, and nurses are all like the, in the top three, and I think it like kind of rotates. So yeah, we met in pharmacy school because I guess when you spend four years with the same people. So yeah. she was a year behind me in school, but she's a year and a half older than me. I love to remind her of that all the time. But, oh. you know, she's a lot more seasoned and a lot better than I am in the world. But, but yeah, so she was a year behind me. We met in school. Uh, and funny story, I, you know, I was kind of dating another, another girl, uh, and, you know, we were kind of seeing each other. And we were out at a club, and I said to Janice, uh, you know, we were dancing on a dance floor, and my whatever she was, uh, was off doing whatever. And I said to her, I said, how does a girl like you, how are you not engaged? And she said, why are you asking? And oh. now we're married for 16, 17 years. So how did, okay, well, that's a, that's a, that's a hell of a response. <laughs> that took me by, like, by surprise. <laughs> yep. So, so how did you, so how did you respond to that? I was, uh, I was kind of just dumbfounded because the, the next, um, the next thing out of her mouth was, isn't that your girlfriend dancing with two guys? And I said, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so here your history was made. That's great. Yep. And, and, so and she, she was a, a pledge in our fraternity and, uh, okay. you know, and then just kind of, I had just gotten out of the relationship with the devil. So that was a hard thing. So it was kind of like, I was just absolutely shocked with the world and didn't know what to do. And then, uh, I kind of was, didn't want to get settled down with anybody at all. So then I kind of just started dating Janice off and on. And a few times I kind of was like, oh, I don't know if I want anything serious. And then you just kind of, it just hits you one day mm-hmm. that there's nobody better in this world than the one you're with. Do you happen to recall that moment? 
I don't know. You know, I do remember, I do remember sitting there and we were watching something on TV and I want to say we were probably watching hockey, something that a Southern girl, cause she's from Fayetteville and I'm from Long Island. So, uh, something that a Southern girl would usually have no interest in whatsoever. And she was just doing it for me. And I was like, there is nobody in this world that is going to do this, these sort of things and really buy into it because she really took a, a love for hockey and really kind of got into it just because I did just cause I liked it. So, and it was just kind of one of those things I was like, man, she's, she's the one amazing. See, that's cool, dude. That's a great, that, that's great that she like just latched on to whatever it is that you, you were into and you guys had that connection. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's funny cause you get so down and you always, you know, people always tell you, and it's really cliche that everything happens for a reason. Yeah. And when you kind of get, you know, you're kind of going out with somebody for a few years and you think they're the one and they kind of just use you to no end that you break up and they just kind of strung you along a little bit. And I'm like, I, I never want to be with somebody like the devil again. So yeah, then you yeah. just never think that anything. And people tell you, oh, everything happens for a reason. And you know what? The reason is because the, the soulmate is going to be, isn't even in your life yet. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's a great way of putting it. Hey, anybody listening out there who's feeling a little down about their love life that's a that's a great little uh tidbit to keep in mind mm -hmm. now how, how long were you guys uh married until you had kids so we the plan was two years the plan was to have some fun and be married for two years and when we were on our our one it was a one-year anniversary we, we decided to go on a cruise and about the so the first night, you know, you have a great time on a cruise and, uh, you know, we we, had, we drank a lot, just just partied. And the next day she was a little sick. And then the day after that, she was still a little sick. And then the day after that, she was still a little sick. I'm like something. She's like, I think something's up. And it turns out, yep, she was pregnant. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> but, but I mean, what was your I mean, it's you know, you're married. It's like, OK, this oh, it was happen. fine. You know, it was like, one of those things where we, we wanted to wait the two years, but we weren't actually preventing anything. So we were just like, ah, if it happens, it happens. And, sure. you know, and, and like I said, I say we were, we were drinking stuff, but we it was so early on in a pregnancy. So we weren't really too worried oh, about anything because the yeah. second she even thought that there was a. Uh, you know, a chance to be impregnant when we were on the boat, she just stopped for the whole rest of the, uh, yeah. the time. You know, that that's something that Deanna and I talk about when she was pregnant with Aria. We had no idea at first. Um, and we were up at her grandfather's 80th birthday and she was just downing Miller lights. Aria's fine. Like she's fine. <laughs> right. So, you know, Hey, it's early on. And, and as long as you, you know, you're being responsible with it after you find out, that's great. Yeah. And, and it's the prolonged exposure. I mean, that's what they even say about, uh, you know, smoking as well. I mean, it's neither one of them are great for you when you're pregnant, but especially early on, uh, you know, one day when, before you even find out, isn't going to hurt. Yeah. And then, and then you became a father. So this is a, uh, this is a fun moment where I get to learn from dad's what that experience was like. So what was it like for you and your daughter was born? What was it like for you to hold your baby girl for the first time? So you have your first kid and I, and I tell this to everybody that, that is about to have their first kid is that you think they're a heck of a lot more fragile than they actually are. Oh, true. Like true. you're afraid to breathe around them. <laughs> yes. And I'm not really, so I'm not really a germ guy. So it's like, you know, you, you're, you're washing everything a million times. You're, you're afraid to take a step and then you kind of ease into it. Now, my daughter has Turner syndrome. So, and we didn't find out about this till she was like four or five, but she started showing a lot of the different syndrome, uh, uh, symptoms when she was as, as young as two months old. She started having a lot of bad stomach problems. We couldn't figure out what was going on. She wasn't really growing that much. And we just happened that when she was about four, 
when we were had just a, a routine checkup, the, the doctor had just, you know, an endocrinologist, cause we thought maybe it was something with growing. She just happened to notice some of the telltale, telltale symptoms and signs of Turner syndrome. So then she got tested and that's when we found out when she was about four that she had uh, a TS. Yeah. So tell me about that reaction when you found that out, what did, what was your all's response? So the thing that I, when I explained like Turner syndrome, you know, being the, you know, a, a chromosomal disorder, you know, the partial or full deletion of the second X chromosome in girls, uh, people automatically, they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, you know, she's fine. I mean, it's not, it's not, you know, I tell people it's, listen, there's a lot of people out there that have a lot worse things going on than my daughter. She, you know, she's just fine. It's just, these are just things that diagnosis is key, you know, and that's what I always say to people about, you know, getting more uh, knowledge out there to healthcare professionals so they can spot it. So once Lauren got right onto growth hormone and she started growing, getting back on all the charts and actually Turner syndrome has their own growth chart because the girls are so, such short stature anyway. Oh, so, interesting. So, yeah. And that's a really interesting thing too. And then she got on, uh, she got on some thyroid medication and then she gets her heart checked, heart and kidneys and lungs checked every year. So, and then, uh, you know, once she started becoming a teenager, she's had to get some, uh, estrogen, uh, as well, uh, some patches and stuff like that. And now I think, uh, we've got her on birth control now just to get the estrogens. Cause, uh, you know, cause she's going to normally, they would not have any cycle, but just kind of to regulate everything else. We've had to put her on birth control just to help with that. Some of that, uh, synthetic estrogen in there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so we're actually going to talk a bit about uh, what this is kind of culminated into because you're doing something really cool uh, to support the the cause around Turner Syndrome. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Sure. I actually want to backtrack for just a moment. You know, when you you were mentioning, oh, the, the, the fragility, fra- fragility, fragility, is that the word? Um, fragile. Fragile. Isn't it Italian? It's fragile. 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 Yeah. It's a, ma- <laughs> it's a major award. If you had known that she was dealing with Turner syndrome earlier on in her life. Would you have approached anything differently for her own safety or upbringing? No, I think uh, it probably would have put us a lot more at ease with our stomach because she uh, had a lot of problems with stomach acid and Mm. she kind of was just kind of the movements that the kid, the babies like when, when your baby has extra uh, stomach acid, they kind of do this thing with their neck, just trying to, cause the, their, your body's naturally just trying to elongate everything just so that the acid stays down. And she had some more, some projectile vomiting stuff. I think we would have just not been quite as scared of all those things that were going on. Cause you just, you know, your kids vomiting like crazy, like yeah. almost constantly, you're trying to figure out what in the world am I doing? Uh, is that why she's not growing? But you know, once we got the acid under control, then she was able to eat a little bit better. So that probably would have put us a little more at ease, but I don't think, you know, we wouldn't have put her into any sort of bubble or anything. Cause it really, again, it's just, you really just, it's not something you can cure. So it's just more of sure. treating the symptoms. So um, and like I said, I tell everybody that they're not as fragile because Lauren's the the typical kid that as she was growing up, we try not to make like, you know, half the time between animals and kids, like when something happens, it's your reaction that triggers their reaction. Mm. So like when Lauren would like fall and she would hit her head on something and we would just like, we wouldn't be like running over there. She'd just, the first thing she'd always do, I'm okay, I'm okay. She'd get up and just, I'm okay, I'm okay. Because, you know, you try not to go, <gasps> that, oh, that whole thing. So, you know, we've always been very I don't want to say it's not slack, but it's very kind of like calming more parents. But then there's the days where 
you're screaming your head off. Oh, totally. try not to do that too much because I'm from New York, so that's kind of comes with the territory. Well, yeah, I mean, you guys are just loud <laughs> up there. We hear you all the way down here in Virginia. So, oh, I, be- I believe it. <laughs> no, uh, you know, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about being a new father and, and just having your understanding of medicine and everything like that, were you extra paranoid about just like I, I'm just thinking compared to me somebody who is just genuinely like just concerned because i'm like shit i've never done this before were you extra paranoid because of some of the knowledge that you have around medicine so i think again that's like the the first kid thing a little bit more because you're kind of like well i'm gonna get all these tests if you know you're always like the only the thing in the back of your head and i don't know if it's the uh, a sign of when we grew up or you know when when i was a kid like i was just worried that we would do something to cause something to happen or, you know, that you're, uh, that, you know, that having to, to prepare yourself if your kid has down syndrome or something, because when, you know, when you're young and you, you know, even having some of the knowledge, like you just, that's the one thing you always gravitate towards is what, what could go wrong and what, what could I screw up to make yeah. something go wrong? Even, even when they're, um, you know, even when your wife's pregnant, because, uh, now, I don't know how your listeners are. This is a funny story. You can cut this later if you want. So with your first kid, I was so afraid of everything. And, you know, when you're married, especially newlyweds, you know, you you tend to be a little more uh, amorous, a little more frisky. Sure. And and when, you, when your wife is pregnant, sometimes those hormones can make them even more frisky. And the last thing I wanted to do with a baby brewing in there was, was go anywhere near. Brother, me too. That was scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. We could talk about that. That's no problem. That was something. It was uh oh, what was that movie with Seth Rogen where it knocked up? Where yep. he was like, Am I gonna am I gonna like poke the baby? Legit concern. <laughs> and I oh, know I was that's so not true. Like, like, you know, we had conversations with doctors about it. That's fine. Like, everything's fine, people. Oh, yeah. Um And then <laughs> but, of course the second agreed. one comes and you're like, you're not quite as scared anymore. And then the you know, every pregnancy is different, so maybe She's not quite as in the mood as she was the first time. And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> now you just want pickles? Oh, uh, That's so funny, man. It's so <laughs> funny. So, uh, so okay, so your your kids are, what, what was the age difference again? Uh, they're 12 and uh, 15 and 12. 15 and 12. So you got a few years later, you become a father to a boy. Why don't you tell us about that? Uh, so that's what it, I think everybody, I wouldn't say everybody, but people that want kids, they want one and, one and the other. You know, you want one of each, so then sure. you can just be done. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I always I go on the Internet. I go by geek jock. So I kind of had my geek and my jock and, I, and I'm happy. And I didn't know which way it was going to go because there's been different times where one's been a geek and the other's been a jock. So I was just happy to have a boy and a girl because, of course, you know, I played baseball all my life. I love playing hockey recreationally. I'm like, now I got got my little boy to to, to have some fun with. And and their those pregnancies couldn't have been any different, any more different if they tried. Um, and like you said, uh, things that you get scared of, just knowing things. Uh, a quick, um, hopefully not too disgusting story. My my wife, right towards the end of the pregnancy, um, you know, of course, my wife's Southern and she drinks a lot of sweet tea. So she has a lot of kidney stones. So uh, towards the end of the pregnancy, my wife one day uh, with, with DJ, one day she was like, she was peeing what looked like tomato juice. Oh, no. So she was just like, what in the world's going on here? So we rushed her on over to the dock. And uh, it turns out all it was was a stone, just Ugh. just just blood because of a stone, and uh, everything was purposely fine. But that was one of those where I'm like, oh my god, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this, it's this. So you know you're scared of everything. Um, and whereas Lauren's uh, the Lauren's birth took about four to six hours, DJ from this time I checked her into the hospital till he was born was 20 minutes. 
The doctor didn't have enough time to throw his uh, to throw his jacket from coming out from home. You know, he was born in January, so it was cold. He took his jacket off, threw it on the, the chair, and basically caught DJ with like practically like a catcher's mitt. Wow. So that was the easiest thing. Meanwhile, Lauren, they had to actually use forceps. And no, nobody uses forceps no. anymore. Wow, dude. Oh, my and, God. Yeah. And so Lauren actually, when she came out, the best way I could describe it is it look, she looked like one of the sisters from uh, Simpson, The Simpsons, where they have <laughs> yeah. kind of the triangle head. Because <laughs> the kids' heads are so, like, they're made for that. So oh, he pulled yeah, the yeah, yeah. forceps out. And she actually, for the longest time, she's got these two bumps in the back of her, kind of on each side of her head. Just because of the, kind of the way that I guess the skull formed, and now she also has kind of this little uh, gray stripe in her hair. It's not really very big; you have to actually look for it. But she calls it her rogue stripe. She's oh, a big Marvel it. fan, so that's her her little rogue stripe that's uh, that's in there as well. Oh I, no, I love it. I love it. Now, now going back real quick, the the pregnancies were different. Was that really the only episode, the the kidney stone episode, that really solidified the difference in the pregnancy? Yeah, and I just think the way. The way DJ was a lot more active and a lot more of a kicker, sure. you know, because he was, you know, of course, he's the big the big athlete, like we always say. But he yeah, he was a lot more active in there, whereas uh, Janice was just happy to have Lauren just, you know, moving here and there. But with DJ, man, she she barely got a rest the whole time. Really? Well, hey, hey <laughs> and it comes into play when he's playing some hockey there, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So let, let's jump into hockey. Um, what drew him to hockey? Was it just your all's bond between the sport or... Like, how did he really come to love the sport? So I think, uh, so back then I was working, uh, I was what we call, I was working for Cardinal Health and I was doing seven on, seven off nights. So basically I was in like kind of a, we, we just call the pharmacy in the sky. So when, uh, when hospitals, smaller hospitals, they don't have an overnight pharmacy that's open 24 hours. So the hospitals would have us and they would call into us. We had like 30 hospitals and it was like four or five pharmacists and a technician just basically in a room, uh, you know, kind of like an old office building. And we would just be there if they needed uh, some clinical dosing of some heavier antibiotics or just stuff done in a computer, order entry and things like that. So I would work seven on seven off there. And during the day, it was great. You know, even, you know, when I wasn't sleeping or when the seven off, when my wife was working, I could just take DJ out of, uh, you know, out of preschool and we would just go skate. And from a very young age, he just loved going out and skating. And the kid was just, he was just such a good skater. I was just amazed. And that's pretty much like one of those things where, you know, when we think about other sports, like, yeah, I played baseball since I was like four or five. And then other people, you know, talk about what, what you know, how early they got into things. But DJ was skating since he was about three. Mm. So you just imagine how good. And then he just kind of picked up the love of skating. Uh, and then I got him into to youth hockey. Uh, and he was a you know great skater there, and and basically nobody starts off as a goalie, but after a while when we started getting to the age where you know it's kind of rotating through everybody on the team's going, and he just fell in love with it, and I was like no no dude you're way too good of a skater, uh, and it's way too expensive to be a goalie, and then it turns out the kid's actually good, so yeah. he became a goalie for travel, and that's where he's been ever since, and he loves it. Oh, he absolutely loves it. He wants to be there constantly because I never really, you know, you hear these horror stories about burning out kids. And I played baseball so much growing up and, you know, towards the high school I was playing uh, when I was getting ready to go to college uh, because I played, I walked on, uh, I walked on to a school for college and I played, played there. But my senior year, my senior summer, I played one game. I played every day. I had a baseball game at night because I was on two different teams, except for Monday, Tuesday through Sunday. I played every single day and I played two doubleheaders on Sunday. Wow. So that kind of burns you out a little yeah, bit, even though you're getting lot. ready to, to to take that next step. So I didn't want to burn him out and to hate the game. So I kept made sure I asked him, is this what you want to do? You want to play? You know, and, and I always 
you know, there's a few things that I always tell him as, as being like coach dad, like there was one year where he, you know, he, no matter what you say, no matter if, if you're not getting excited when you're saying it, you're still dad. So, you know, the same per you could say the same thing to him that I say to him, but it, it's not coming from dad. Yep. So that's a big difference. So I even asked him, like, do you really want me on the ice anymore? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can you coach? I want you to make sure you coach. So, you know, growing up and nowadays in travel, I've been an assistant coach. But I've always tried to instill certain kind of calmness to him, especially as a goalie, because goalies, like they always say, they're a little weird. But I always told him, <laughs> I always tell him, uh, and he's got a really calm demeanor, but I always yeah. said, don't let your highs get too high and your lows get too low, yeah. especially as a goalie. Like you can't, you, you know, it's good to celebrate, but don't go too crazy, you know, with the shutout that just letting up one goal kills you. Yeah. 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 And, that's right. And even when he was getting in, you know, there was a few cliche things that I've always said, you know, over the years and that same thing with when he was growing up. And I think I tried not to push him too hard, uh, but I always said, you know, you don't have to be the best person out there, but you will work harder than anybody else. That's what I would say. That's the Patrice way. That's great. See, that's so important. Um, I, I really appreciate your perspective on uh, how you keep your kid engaged with something that they're really into and away from feeling the burnout. Let, let's just say, okay, let, let's let's throw a hypothetical scenario out. What if he comes to you and like, Dad, you know what? I'm burnt. I don't feel like doing this anymore. What's your response? Yep. Uh, it depends on the time of year, I think, because so if he says this in the middle of a season, I would say, well, you know what, let's get to the end of the season and let's talk about it because you made a commitment to the team and you're the starting goalie. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's 14 other boys that are counting on you, mm -hmm. you know, or if we end up getting a girls on the team, you know, they still co-ed for for, you know, probably this next year. Uh, but, you know, just you have that commitment. Now, if it's in the summer, uh, you know, if we haven't had tryouts yet and you no, know, I'd, I'd probably be pretty hurt. But. You know, because he's put so much time into it and he's gotten to such he's kind of gotten to this next level because we, you know, we're playing. It's it's so interesting seeing these kids because you don't realize what age they are. Like the last couple of years in travel hockey, they're so disciplined and they're so like our team, their their dynamic is so good. They're so disciplined, such good kids that you forget they're just, you know, 10, 11 year old kids that just want to screw around in a pool. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's amazing. Like, and then we asked so much of him cause we, you know, we played, um, a high level double a, we, we actually, this season, uh, in 07, which is called tier two double a, we were the number one team in the country. Mm, so man. we, so th that's like, I mean, that's a lot of pressure on a kid too, though. Oh yeah. Especially being the only goalie. So on he is the only goalie on the team. Yeah. So, um, for a few years, there was a couple of different organizations down here. Uh, no, there's the Canes, there was the Eagles, and there's the Stars. There's a bunch of different organizations. Listen, don't talk so to me about the So we kind of went to right the Eagles. Now. Okay, you can't um, talk to me about the Canes right now. You're breaking my heart a little bit. <laughs> my capitals, okay? No, sorry, I'm just kidding. No, it's okay. You know what? And I hate to say it, too, because being I'm from Long Island, so I'm a big, huge Islander fan. And and don't take this the wrong way, but there is no team in professional sports that I hate more than the Capitals. <laughs> 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 oh, it's fun being on the end of that because that really was like never like you can't the, the caps were never uh, up until very recently were, you know, like I, I didn't feel like we had that sort of team where, hey, everybody hates us. I kind of like the fact that, hey, you know what? I, don't, I got people that hate us now. This yep. is cool. We're one there's of been times teams. where I've rooted for them, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I could do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Well, sorry. Don't let me don't let me uh, disrupt your your conversation about uh, about your stupid canes and all that. stuff. Oh no, it's fine. You know, and so then with there being a couple of different organizations, that we just really 
you know, he was young enough and, you know, we were just peewees and this year, you know, we may or may not only take just one goalie again because he's young enough because, you know, when we get to Bantam where there's checking and is a lot more involved, even as a goalie, there's just a lot more involved. You're getting yeah. bigger and you're exerting a lot more energy. Like we will take two goalies, but, um, we may or, you know, last year we knew that we didn't really need, we had a backup goalie. One of our defensemen is our backup goalie in case, in case we needed a rest or if DJ got hurt. Yeah, but, so, you know, he played 50-something games last year. Yeah, so, like, okay, so let's just say, uh, God forbid, I mean, he gets hurt. What happens in that case where they don't have a backup? Is it just some kid jumps in goal? Right. Well, like, we purposely had a backup, you know, defenseman. It depends. Most okay, teams okay. would carry two or they've got somebody that can. So, I mean, yeah. our back, our defenseman who's actually gone to goalie clinics and he actually does practice with us as a goalie at times. So I he's see. just be ready to go. And a lot of times his dad, who's one of the other assistant coaches, uh, he brings his his gear to, you know, all the different road games just in case. Yeah. Okay. You know, and thank God. And I don't want to knock on wood. I don't want to hit the, the mic. But, you know, knock on my head that that he DJ doesn't ever get hurt. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. No, I, I was curious about that because when you said he's the only one, I'm like, oh my God, what? I, God forbid, what happens? Um, okay. So talk to me about participation trophies. So this is kind of one of these funny things that like it's such a hot button issue. And now people are all like really one way or the other with participation trophies in this world. And to me, I don't, I think to look at it, yes or no, is a black and white issue. And I think in today's 40K or 4K, whatever it is, these these 4K world we live in, there's so many different sides to participation trophies. So my stance on this is I think it all depends on the age and the level. Like my son is a 12-year-old who plays high-level you know, travel hockey. We don't need participation trophies. But for those house kids who may be seven or eight, and if it's if that's what gets you out of the house to come back for another season of playing house hockey or, or even house football, you know, it gets a kid away from Fortnite, maybe a couple of days a week. And if you don't get anything out of it, there's no carrot on a stick. Then for some kids, the trophy at the end of a house season or developmental season is what's going to bring them back for more. And I think to just blanket say, we can't be a world with participation trophies, I think is very short sighted. And I think it turns people away. Like my son, he doesn't need he doesn't need a ribbon when he when he swims. He doesn't need a ribbon that said he finished second in his heat. No, we don't care about that. But maybe the eight year old who can barely swim, who gets a little ribbon and he's going to wear that like for the rest of the week. That kid needs a participation trophy. That age does. So it all depends on the age and the level. And that's why I think that for the most part, they're a good thing. And I don't really agree with somebody. I think it was, um, what's his name? Harrison from the Steelers who said he made his son give back his trophy at the end of the year because they didn't win. Yeah, that's a little silly. That's that's a bit extreme. Yeah. It's like, okay, I mean, take it. But also I think, it's, I think it really comes down to, um, uh, like a lot of things in life, it comes down to the parents to explain the situation at hand, right? Like, it's not just like, yeah, here's your trophy. It's a, uh, it's an understanding of what you did to earn that. It's mm-hmm. an understanding of the merits of what the other people did to earn the thing that they earned and why theirs is bigger. And and that's okay. It's But it's also like a, a thing to say, hey, you accomplished something. I'm totally on board with that, Dan. I think that that's totally a merit to say, you participated in, the, in this thing and exerted your, your all to... You know, with I, I think it's all context too, with the kid yep. in mind. It, it agreed. I, I I tend to look at things in a very um, kind of a gray world. Uh, I, I don't really believe in the black and white, especially when it comes to parenting. I think that's I think it's unfair to the parents to the kids uh, to to uh, to to put a rule on it. 
Right. It feels like there's 10 sides to every story. So like there's, you could, you could make cases for a lot of things, but I just think that, you know, I just think that getting, giving the kids something to come back to, that's what we always said with, with youth hockey, like the USA hockey model that we use, especially in, in U8, uh, you have parents that are arguing about us keeping score. Whereas we don't even want to, you know, we're not teaching positions at U8, you know, when they were in U8, you're not teaching positions. You're not teaching. It's not, you don't care about being the one who scores. You just want to have fun. If the kid yeah. leaves with a smile on their face, every kid thinks they won. It doesn't matter. They could have lost 20 to one. The kids that scored one goal, they still think they won the game. Yeah. So it's, and then that's a big argument you have with some parents too. And you're out there, you know, oh, we need to keep score. You know, they're old enough. They need to know. No, just let them get out there. We want them coming back next year. That's yeah. what we're, that's a success for us. Yeah. It's all about how, yeah, you see. And that, and when you, it, that goes back to the burnout thing, right? Like these are kids, man. Mm -hmm. This is something fun for them to, to get out and exercise and uh, learn sportsmanship, cooperation, collaboration. Like this is, let's not, let's not lose sight on that too. Yeah, and um, you'd get some parents that would get, you know, when we were playing U8 and it's just basically half ice hockey. Uh, and you know, there's a couple of, you know, a couple of kids actually have the equipment on and you know, they're, they're playing hard and, and they're going. And sometimes if you call a penalty, basically you just give, give the kid a penalty shot and, and then move on. But we kind of got to the point more in my last years is that we were like, all right, let's not call a penalty. Let's just kind of pull the kid aside and just make him take a knee and explain to him what they did so that you're not pointing at the kid and said, Hey, you just screwed up. Or you did something really wrong. No, so you pull him to the side. You're still making his his team a little shorthanded, so you're still hurting them in a way. But you're not, you know, embarrassing the kid, and you're explaining to him what they actually did. And of course, there's parents on the outside. They're screaming and yelling about everything. And you know, you just kind of, you don't even worry about it because ten minutes by the time their kid's done getting dressed, those parents aren't mad anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, because they don't even remember. That's why you know. I mean, a lot of things. This is. We have a lot of tangents, and I apologize for this. No, no, this is what you always have, like as a coach, you always have what they call the twenty-four hour rule. Yeah, you ever hear that? The about being mad about something. Well, you always say that uh, after a game, if you have something you really want to say, wait twenty-four hours, and if you still oh, yeah. want to say it, then just email me. Yeah, but okay. don't don't come because everybody's heated and everything else yep. after a game. And you know, I've never had a problem. You know, I'm mostly an assistant coach and travel, but we've never had any problems kind of with that sort of thing. So, I mean, I mean, sometimes people still want to chat about things, but for the most part, when you're really fired up after a game, it's, it's not anything. Well, yeah. And it's just like anything. Um, don't say something nice or, or what, what do they say? What do they say in Bambi? If you can't say something nice then don't say nothing at all, I think right. it's, I, I, but I think in that context, it's important to think about what you're saying and how you're saying it. Um, so that's really, I think, a, a bigger lesson when it comes to really anything. Yeah, I think as a as somebody who's participating in this sporting event, sure. And and it's, you know, as a coach, kids this age, you're not just teaching them hockey. You're trying to teach them how to be good kids. Yeah. So, you know, and another thing I always tell DJ, um, and this, you know, and I stole this from, you basically steal this from movies, you know. Um, I always tell him, I'm like, listen, you, now that you're getting bigger because he's growing like a weed, and he's kind of the athletic kid in school and kids look up to him and, you know, cause the kids, you know, they kind of look up to the athletes or the, and stuff like that. And he's a nice kid. I always say, listen, no matter what, you have to stick up for the kids that can't stick up for themselves. Oh, totally. So, I mean, if anybody's picking on anybody or anybody's, you know, just being a jerk, I'm like, you have to be the one to stand up for him. No matter what people think of you after the fact, you have to make sure that nobody's getting, getting bullied. And and you never know if any of these things stick with kids. And then you just hear some stories 
And a, a, a teacher actually, you know, wrote us a nice little email and said that uh, there's a kid in the class who's he's kind of a, he's kind of not necessarily a bully, but he's kind of like the one of the mean kids. And sometimes he just acts out and just think he was at an age, you know, a few years ago at an age where he just didn't know how to deal with his feelings and this and that. And she says that whenever he gets out of hand, DJ just usually moves a seat and sits by him. And for whatever reason, you know, they're not even really that good of friends, but DJ just had a calming influence on the kid. Wow. And that was really does, cool to hear just from a random Yeah. Like you know, how does that make teacher. you feel like as a as a parent kind of instilling some of that in him? Yeah, I mean it it feels it feels good that you're doing cuz you never know. Like I said, you you just hope you're not re- raising a total jackwad, but when you see <laughs> and you hear things like that that they're just good kids. You know, and and the same thing with my daughter, like she came home one day and um and you know of course like I said I'm no Joe or Jerry but but there's a few victories in the world. Oh, <laughs> so Lauren came home one day um Lauren came home for one day and she went to her and a friend like to go to escape rooms and they went uh, to a brand new escape rooms. room in the area. You know what an escape room is? Oh, oh yeah. I used to work at one. Um, oh, okay. I, my buddy owns one and I used to go help him on weekends and it was a blast. Oh, they're, they're amazing. She, there's a new one that opened up downtown in apex and, uh, her and her friend went there and she's like, she came home and she's like, uh, I think I might've gotten a job. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, they're new. And we were just talking to them and they said they needed some help. So, of course, my wife was we were doing a diligence. We kind of went down and, uh, you know, we, we talked to them and they were super nice people. I think uh, one of the I think the wife used to work over at um, uh, at Epic and, oh, cool. uh, you know, and they're they've been in the gaming industry for a long time. And they, and they just own this place. And she's been working there for, uh, you know, probably a good four or five months now. And and she loves it. And she's really, she works really hard. They, they have nothing but great. She already got a dollar raise. I was oh, just, I'm just amazed. Nice. Love it. When you see stuff like that, like your kid becoming a part of society here, I mean, that's like, a, that's like kind of a stepping stone. I feel that's kind of like a graduation in, in, in sort of like a societal sort of way. Right. Oh, Does that amazing. make you proud? Oh, absolutely. You know, you're kind of beaming when you're like, yeah, I got to take my daughter to her job. And she absolutely <laughs> loves and she she almost doesn't even feel like it is a job. And I'm just like, you know, I ask her, I'm like, just make sure, you know, you work hard, be very nice to everybody. You know, of course, you got to oh, be yeah. do the reminder things. She's like, I know, dad, I know. <laughs> but, but you know what? She's got a great uh, she, she's got a great role model here. So that's that's oh, awesome. I appreciate it now. All right. I actually I'm glad you brought it full circle back to your daughter, because I want to talk a bit about this charity that you know, the, the, this charity event that you've started. Do you mind diving into that a little bit? Yeah. So back in, uh, I believe it was 2011, uh, I was, we were running in a, a 5K, I want to say it was a Komen race, and I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about doing Extra Life when they were going to play like uh, World of Warcraft for 24 hours. And I'm like, you know what? We, we had just found out recently that Lauren had Turner Syndrome, and I was like, you know, we could raise money for Turner Syndrome. I'm like, you know what? Let's, I wonder if we could do a 24-hour board game marathon for and trying to raise money for Turner syndrome. I'm like, because board gamers, they're just looking for excuses to play games. Mm-hmm. So what if we just found a way? So I approached a, a local game store, the Gamers Armory, and I just just asked. It was a hus- husband and wife owned it. And I was like, well, do you think this would be a good idea? They're like, oh, that would be great. So we do Gamers for Cures was born, and we basically do a 24-hour board game marathon every year in November. Uh, and it started off real small. There was only a, you know, a handful of marathoners. We just kind of played games during the day. We did a couple of tournaments. And we have uh, this thing called what we call The Wall. So I get a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of games donated by game companies and then some other things donated, uh, you know, game uh, bundles and things like that. And we have 
uh, all these kind of deck boxes. They're, they they would look like uh, base, you know, either Magic the Gathering holders or baseball card holders, and they have slits in front of them. So we sell dollar tickets, and you put your name and number on the back, and you basically are you know you want to you're going to pick out which game you actually want to try to win rather than just a random drawing of like any old game. So we have like a hundred lots on the wall, and then people buy dollar tickets and they. You know, so that they can pick things, and then on the night of the, we do that is up. That's usually up for about two weeks before the event itself, and then we just kind of pull, you know, pull winners at the end. So it's that's kind of one of our biggest things. But we've been doing Gamers for Cures for this will be our ninth year, and we've raised over uh, just over one hundred thirty thousand oh dollars for God. Turner Syndrome Society of the uh, United States and the Carolinas. Very good, man. Oh, I love that you're doing that. So, oh, and it's great. And, you know, we've got our uh, 5013, you know, or got you know, tax exempt uh, finally last couple of years, uh, cool. you know, because we kind of went under the uh, Turner syndrome umbrella. So we use theirs. But now now I feel like I've accomplished something. I have my own, you know, tax ID number. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> no, no, that's cool. It, yeah. That, that was actually going to be my next question. If you like started a nonprofit yourself. So it sounds like you've really kind of taken that step, which is killer. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's um, and you you know you kind of learn things every every year. And what's great is I go to Gen Con every year, and and all that since I do a, a board game podcast, a lot of the publishers already knew me, but now they kind of they know me, then they know that I'm legit. I give them the, you know we have a nice program, we get shirts made out, but every year you know the the publishers know who I am further. They know that this you know I'm not just another person because this happens probably in every industry. They're like, oh hey. Hey Alex, I do a uh, I do a podcast or I do, I'm I'm running a charity event. Can I have something for free? Oh, you know, yeah. and then they never hear from them again. But we mm-hmm. try to make sure we give, you know, we give a lot of shout outs or we give some press on my show or I I send them a nice handwritten thank you, I send them a T-shirt and they see the the program that we really do what we're telling them we're going to do with their games. Yeah, see that's great. And, and you're a big board game nut. Uh, we've talked about this uh, towards the beginning of the show. You you are known for. Uh, being a contributor on TMSPM, if you guys uh, at home listen to the Frog Pants Network, you likely know of the morning stream. So uh, what sort of ways have you tried to build board games into your family life? I understand that your kids don't necessarily embrace the board games like you do. Well, it's it's not kids are hard, especially, you know, like I said, my, my son's constantly on the go. I mean, he plays his fair share of Fortnite like everybody else, but he's usually outside riding his bike all the time or playing with friends or, or doing, you know, or actually, even though he's the goalie, he's got one of the best shots on the team. So he's outside shooting or my daughter is like, she's infatuated with anime or manga and anime. I, I'm, I'm an old geek who has, I have my own little things, you know, between, you know, comics and everything else, but that's, that's a different world for oh, me. Yeah. So she's yeah. either watching it or reading that stuff. And then sometimes there's just not enough time like they there's just not enough time with the kids to play games or they're just not quite as interested but when we do sit down and play they love it they so it's it's that challenge of finding the game that's gonna you know bring the kids in that are gonna they're gonna want to play for you know 30 45 minutes or so and yeah and then they're gonna want to ask for a game night like what are some games that are like my listeners should look out for that maybe they want to play with their kids who are about your your kids age you know maybe elementary school going into middle school sort of age which is a very interesting time of of life (laughs) oh it sure is there's a lot of different things that um wow I have four, four, four or five hundred games, and you're trying to trying to think of what what would be, you know, it's kind of like different, you know, it depends on their their interest and stuff. But sure. even like, so especially now with Endgame out there, there's a, a cooperative game called uh, Avengers uh, Thanos Rising. 
Okay. And it's basically a cooperative game where you're just trying to kill enough of the children of Thanos, you know, the, the, the bad guys, the Cull Obsidian and all them and then some of their other guys. And you're actually getting so a dice game. So you're getting different Avengers on your team in front of you, which can kind of give you more dice to use or a little more powers. And but every round, Thanos is either collecting parts of the stones, trying to put the stones together, which is also putting damage to your guys. I mean, it's just just a fun little co-op game. Uh, that's a that's a blast if you have kids that are, are really into to comics or re- especially now I said with uh, with Endgame, um, Code Names is is a great family mm-hmm. game. It's yep. it's a word game uh, where you've kind of got two people who are trying to get their teams to guess their team's words by using one word clues to kind of associate with more than one clue on the board. Mm, cool. Um, an- another great one uh, is called Las Vegas. Not sure if you've ever heard of this one. No. This is a great little dice game. This is actually in Target as well. Uh, everybody's got, uh, I believe it's eight dice in their color. And there's casinos from one, to, basically the casinos are from one to six. And then each casino will have randomly have cards uh, top of the, you know on top of them from a, a, a dollar amount from anywhere from uh, ten thousand up to 50, uh, ninety thousand and you know each one will have a, a minimum amount of of money at each one of the casinos. So on your turn you roll the dice and they're six sided dice and you decide you pick one of the numbers that your dice rolled and you take just say I picked a four I would take all the fours that I rolled and it goes on to that casino. Now, at the end of the round, once everybody, you know, and then you pass after you place one number, you pass. So then basically it'll get around to you again. You'll roll the dice and you'll put it out other other places, but everybody else is putting their dice out. Mm. Now, the catch is uh, if anybody ties for a number, they cancel each other out. And then the third place person would end up getting the the top prize there. So mm. it's kind of a cat and mouse game the whole time of seeing where all the money is, what, where you can kind of snipe a little bit with getting an, you know, maybe you get one die in somewhere because you know, these two people are going to tie, but, uh, just, just kind of like either between dumb luck or just having fun. Uh, I mean, my son has beaten me a million times in this game just cause sometimes just things they do, it just works. That's cool. That's so cool. That, you know, winning helps. Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> played a uh, role for it? Oh, that's also one of my son's favorite games. That's a great game. I, I that's just something that I that I was thinking of because it's sitting down here in, in my basement, and that's a great game. That's super easy to learn, and there's a little bit of, uh, you know, like risk and and chance to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, so push your luck to it. There's actually an yeah. app for that as well. I'm not sure if you have that. It's really good. Oh, oh, really? Oh, good to know. No. So th- I the I played it uh, with, you know, it's great because like you could get as many people as you want to sit around and play this so mm-hmm. we were playing it up at a new year's eve party at my in-law uh, well actually it was at my my uh, uncle in-law's house <laughs> um <laughs> he and they had this uh you know they, they've got like one of their little nieces there who's maybe four and she crushed us at that game crushed <laughs> us like immediately rolls and gets a straight if you know what i mean there so like oh, one amazing. two three four five six and we're like you you literally just sat in, and the first thing you roll is a straight, and that's like fifteen <laughs> points. That's like you're almost to the winning right there. Yeah, no, she she basically took the lead as soon as she sat down. Um, so yeah, no stuff like that. I I, I think that's fun. Um, that was one of the uh, my curiosities because as we uh, grow up here with Aria, um, who's you know two, is, I I want to start thinking of different games that I can. Uh, Start accruing and having her. Oh, I got a great one. So basically, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. I got got a couple of great ones. So you can look for basically almost anything from Haba Games. Haba. Okay. 
Haba is a Haba USA is a great. They make a lot. They have a lot of other baby things, but they do a lot of really good games. You'll you'll notice them by the the yellow box. And there's a lot of good stacking games. Uh, tier off tier, which is animal upon animal, is there's a lot of great versions of that. But they have a game called Monza. Now, okay. what Monza is, it's basically a car racing game, but you're rolling dice and on the board, kind of think of like a round, an oval shaped board. Uh, and there's there's different spaces that all have different colors. So when you roll the dice, you basically pick a die and associate it with a color of of kind of a space in front of you. So you're kind of matching the colors with the space and making your car go around the track. Oh, cool. So it's fun. kind of a lot of their games are either kind of dexterity based or kind of they have this little learning element where, again, when you're kids, you don't realize you're the best learning games are the ones you don't realize you're learning something. And at that age, I mean, you can pick things up like that and, and they just love doing things. And it's just fun to see that to, sounds fun. to do things with them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And no, I'll totally look into that. So, um, no, this has been so much fun, man. All right. So I like to end the show with a little bit of a of a words of wisdom bit. OK, so. If you were to um, give any advice to somebody who's a father in a predicament or a situation, you know, we've covered a lot of topics here. We've talked about Turner syndrome. We've talked about uh, the participation trophies and sports, you know, activity burnout, I guess we'll just broadly call it. Uh, we talked about board games. Um Something that that attributes to one of those things um, that maybe you relate to that was that's been a challenge with your experience as a father that you've overcome. What sort of words of wisdom would you uh, provide a listener of this show that might help them in if they're experiencing something similar? Well, it's it's really hard. You know, like I said, he, all you can do is kind of try and and instill some of those words into them, and and just realize that you may not think they're getting it, but they are, and. Don't be afraid to let them find their way and to to let them do the right thing because you don't necessarily have to push them to do the right thing. Kids inherently will do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think. That's what I think. Like you just want them to get there so fast and to be perfect and do the right thing. But they've got to learn it and get there on their own. And that's a hard thing, especially if you're a coach or a parent or any of those things. It's just. You got to let them be kids. And that's uh, and I still struggle with that. You know, like I said, uh, my kid, you know, 12 and 15 and you just forget what age they are. You just assume they're 21. Yeah. So just just let them let them find their way and let them do the right thing and, and just be there for them. Man, patience is so important. And it's not just dealing with like the kids shenanigans, like be patient. No, it's it's a realization that they're learning and that you have to be patient through that process. I think that's really powerful, man. That's really good. Um, yeah, and like I said, I'm not perfect because I still got at least once a week. I still still lose my cool when you have to tell the kids 500 times to, do, uh, to let the dog out. Brother, I, <laughs> all of us are on this journey together, and that's why we're here doing this show. So so I feel you. Hey, so I want to give my, uh, my my listeners an opportunity to check out your stuff. So where can they reach you? So uh, you can find me on Twitter at Geek Jock Blog, uh, where I you know but basically just talk about board games or I rant about the hurricanes that they're losing or, uh, or, <laughs> or I talk about the show. You can find me at the geek all stars podcast. We just did our uh, spoiler alert for Endgame. So if you, if you, which pretty much everybody in the world's already seen it, but if you want to listen to, to, uh, four geeks, talk about a lot of spoiler things and have some fun there. We just did that. We'll have a lot of, uh, origins preview because origins up in Columbus is coming next month. So we've got a preview of that coming up. And of course, 
uh, on TMSPM, where I do a segment with Scott and Brian. And, and lately, I've been on the Major Spoilers Network doing uh, Top 5 Express Board Games Edition and uh, the Munchkin Minute, which is on Munchkin Land. Uh, a couple day, a couple times a month, I just do basically a, a 10-minute board game news segment. Oh, um, cool. But thanks for letting me pimp all that. I, yeah, of course. Shoot. Yeah, I love all the content that everybody here has been putting out. And maybe I get, need to get Steven on this show. I'm gonna talk to him. Yeah, he's a great guy, and he's also a, a soccer dad. So yeah. I mean, he does he does so many great things for the community and and all his great shows. Uh, but yeah, this has been a blast. I appreciate you let me just have tangents all over the place. Dude, no, this is this is a <laughs> lot of fun. I appreciate you sharing your story again. Our guest has been Dan Patrice. Thank you very much for being here, sir. Thanks a lot. I, uh, anytime. Thanks again to our guest, Dan Patrice, for sharing your story. This was just such a fun conversation. I love learning about uh, more about what you're doing to address Turner Syndrome, to raise money for it, learning about how you're an awesome dad to both your kids and helping your son stay so passionate with hockey. And uh, I'm definitely going to be playing some board games. That is for sure. And uh, I know that you're going to be here in the Northern Virginia area, so uh, do not be a stranger. Let's grab that beer we're talking about. Now, I want to remind you folks at home that if you enjoyed what you listened to and you want to support it, you can go to thedadchronicle.com. And then there's a button there at the top that says become a patron. There you can take a look at some of the great rewards that we have if you become a patron. So please take that into consideration. It would mean a lot in helping to support this show. If you'd like to chime in on any of the conversation that we've had today, you can email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me on social media, you can do so by just searching for at Alex Albisu. Last name is spelled A-L-B as in boy, I-S as in Sam, U. And then uh, listen to other stories of fatherhood by going to thedadchronicle.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating on iTunes if you enjoyed it. I'll see you guys next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.